Hi, I'm Joanna Roach with the Mariah Mitchell Association, and you're listening to our podcast, The Nature of Nantucket. I am here with James Ellsmore of Island Innovation to talk a little bit about the work that he's doing in the, I'll call it the island space. <laughs> How are you, James? Welcome. Hi, Joanna. Thank you for having me. Doing well. Thank you. So tell us where you are in the world right now. Well, actually, right now I'm visiting family in, in the north of England, where I'm from, uh, but I'm based in Portugal. And we have a team at Island Innovation of 18 individuals living on different islands around the world from uh, Barbados to Venezuela to the Philippines, uh, France, Spain, Portugal, um, Canada, all over. But no one from Nantucket. Not yet. (laughs) So I found you um, and your work on Instagram and thought, wow, you'd be a great person to talk to on our podcast for all the obvious reasons. And how I'm just going to start with asking you a little bit about how Island Innovation came about. Like, when did it start? Why did you found it? Those sorts of things. So I guess to just explain the idea behind Island Innovation, um, our organization exists to connect islands around the world to share ideas and collaborate. The idea being that we know that Nantucket is different to Fiji or Barbados or Hawaii, but as islands, there are certain commonalities and shared uh, shared opportunities, shared challenges. So things like energy, transportation, tourism, um, ocean conservation. Um, there's a long list of other things that I could go into. These these uh, unique characteristics that islands share. And our goal is really to create a platform for islands to be able to communicate with each other. Um, people, organizations, government officials working on islands, share ideas and collaborate. So um, we've existed in some form for about six years now. Uh, actually started off uh, as a blog. I was writing about islands as a blog while I was also a columnist for Forbes.com and gradually grew from there. We have a annual conference every year called the Virtual Island Summit. We started as a virtual conference pre-COVID when we had to tell people about this thing called Zoom. They needed to download and share ideas and and, and participate. And last year, we had 10,000 island stakeholders from all over the world sign in and share ideas on, and, and commentary on different projects happening on their islands. So it ranged from the Prime Minister of Barbados, the Prime Minister of Fiji, um, Governor of Guam, to um, individuals who are doing small-scale local projects to um, preserve culture or increase sustainability on their islands. And so we have this um, global focus, islands all around the world, but then local um, uh, local connections to as many islands as we can. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what are what are some of the issues that you're you're diving into? And so what and what are some of the unique perspectives that you've learned about? So I think um, we often use this term sustainable development, which is quite broad, can cover a lot of different um, a lot of different elements. And um, I would say it can cover a wide wide range of issues. My original background was in the energy sector. And so one commonality for many islands is a high cost of electricity and challenges um, around providing uh, uh, an electricity supply to residents. 
Um, that also becomes an opportunity where many islands have been early original adopters for renewable energy. Yes, because it's good for the environment, but also because it makes economic and practical sense to wean themselves off um, oil imports and become more self-sufficient at a, at a cheaper price. Um, I think that um, another area is obviously transportation. How do you provide reliable transportation networks? And then one that was very apparent during the pandemic was that many, if not most, islands have a dependency on tourism or a large part of their economy is reliant on, on tourism. So looking yeah. at alternative. But there's also other elements around the social aspects. So how do you provide reliable government services to people when you're living on a small island with a small population? How do you give them healthcare, educational opportunities, um, how do you preserve unique local cultures that are home to islands? So there's this quite a broad range of of issues, really. People often say, oh, you're very niche focused on islands. But within that, you cover all these different topics. It's 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 the, the whole world. And our community brings together um, policymakers, politicians, but also um, university researchers, academics, academics. Um, NGO and civil society activists um, and um, the private sector and businesses as well. So we try and cover quite a, a broad church within the um, within these many different islands. And so do you feel like, you know, you're in the process of like forming a coalition that will advocate for certain issues? And, you know, how how do you see your reach expanding? So there are actually various coalitions that work with different islands in different regions. They're often quite regional based. So for example, in Maine, you have the Island Institute, which represents all the small islands of, of Maine and, and, and provides, um, provides, uh, action and lobbying to, to assist them. Um, in the South Pacific, you have various organizations that bring together all those, um, all those different countries in the region and the Caribbean as well. Um, what we try and do is really provide an informational platform where island um, stakeholders, so residents um, or, or representatives, um, can access for free and in a kind of open platform information. Um, so I wouldn't say that we we have a coalition per se, but it's more of really an informational platform. So the virtual events and, and physical events, we just held a, a conference a few weeks ago in the island of Madeira in Portugal. Um, and we, we try and uh, bring them together to share ideas and inspiration. And I think the commonality is also that in many island contexts, you see people trying to reinvent the wheel. You see people trying to solve problems that have actually already been solved in a different context. So mm -hmm. um, Samoa might be very different to Nantucket, but maybe they have a solution on renewable energy or transportation, um, which could be adapted into the local context in Nantucket. And, um, you know, half the problem's already been solved as opposed to trying to think of this on your own without that support. Because we need to share, share resources between islands. Every island, by definition, has limited resources. So the only way to overcome that is to be able to share knowledge, ideas, and resources. And that's really why we created this open source platform um, for people to be able to participate for free. Mm -hmm. And what kind of what kind of ideas have sort of caught hold so far? Like where do you find where are you getting the most traction? Um, I think so we have about a third of our team in the Caribbean region. 
and we have a lot of um, connections and, and work in the Caribbean. So half of our organization is um, the blog posts, the articles, the reports, the studies, um, and then the associated distribution of that via the events or newsletters, etc. Um, but then we also, our, our model as an organization is that we offer consulting services to um, to the island government. So we offer, we do various projects that we're involved with. Um, we have one really interesting project now called the Caribbean Climate Justice Academy, which is funded by the Open Societies Foundation. And um, that is essentially a course to help grassroots activists in the Caribbean working on climate justice. So our Caribbean team leads that. And we'll be providing resources and skills and information through this very specific training program that we were able to get funding for. And then of the participants of that, five of the uh, most outstanding uh, projects or individuals will be taken to the COP28, the United Nations Climate Conference, which is this year in Dubai, to give a voice to the Caribbean islands at that event. Because we know that in terms of climate change, um, islands are some of or the most vulnerable regions to the impacts of rising sea levels and the Caribbean increased hurricanes. Uh, but they don't always have the voice on the stage to actually share their concerns and share their realities. And so we wanted to bring these individuals to this really important global event to to show the impacts that climate change is having in their communities. Mm -hmm. Wow. So how do you, I mean, are you offering that training course to other areas? This specific training course is focused on the Caribbean. It was funded um, for that region, but we'll hopefully be able to expand in the future. We're looking for, uh, we're looking to other organizations that might be able to help us fund that program to be able to expand it um, to other regions as well. Um, part of the challenge with working with islands is the different political jurisdictions. So how does a country like Barbados interact with a state like Hawaii? or a, um, let's say, a, a region. I don't know quite how Nantucket you would class it. Uh, uh, would you say a, par a parish, a county? What's the wording you use there? Or well, you Nantucket, have Nantucket is a county, right? County, okay. Yeah. So then those, uh, it might be that actually Nantucket has a bigger population than some countries in the Caribbean or in the yeah. South Pacific. Um, but as a county, how do they interact and, and collaborate and, and build those networks? So anyway, that, that, that's a program that we would really like to increase and, and build out. Well, we kind of what's happened here on Nantucket is we have something called the Coastal Resiliency Advisory Board, um, and uh, of which I am a trustee. And we uh, got money from the town of Nantucket to put together a coastal resiliency, basically action plan. And, you know, it's 500 pages long. It identifies, you know, 40 priorities and puts some dollars to them. And, and, and so that's kind of the place where we're at. I think that, you know, we are having a struggle with figuring out how we finance this, right? Because mm -hmm. we are, we're a small island. It's 14 miles long and three miles wide. And there's only 3% of, uh, you know, developable land left. Uh, and, you know, the, the climate threat is very real to us. 
And so mm-hmm. we're just starting to grapple with what do, you know, cultural institutions in the town that are right on the waterline, what, what, is, what do they do? Like, what's their plan? I mean, is it a retreat plan? What kind of mitigation could we offer? And, you know, again, back to the big question, which is who's going to pay for this? Mm-hmm. So I think we're right in the thick of all of this, um, but probably a little further ahead than some other communities, certainly on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And this is often the case that the, the challenge is being able to um, fund strategies and and, and and implement these strategies. And um, I often this collaboration between multiple islands is an opportunity because if you need to plan um, to, to b- bring together the resources, actually pooling resources and expertise between islands can be one strategy. We're actually working, I, I can't say which one yet, but we're working with a government of a Caribbean island on their blue economy investment strategy because they know that in order to preserve their marine um, marine habitats, they need investment. They need funding to be able to do that. So it's very easy to say, oh, let's ban the shipping or let's stop some of these other things. But they are also an important part of the economy. So they're looking, OK, how can we drive investment that also allows us to then make our ocean conservations more sustainable? Um, and I think that's uh, that's a really interesting and in, in, important direction because funding is always going to be the limitation to be able to implement these uh, these projects. And um, the mainland jurisdiction may not always be aware of the unique needs of the island communities. <laughs> you well said. I mean, in on Nantucket, we call when we go to the mainland, we call it going to America because the experience of living here is so different than living on the mainland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what do you see coming down the road in the future? So we are looking to build out our organization's programs. I mentioned the Caribbean Climate Justice Academy. We would hope to expand that to other regions to empower um, island voices. One of the interesting elements um, that we're working on towards the, the COP28, the climate conference, is to give a voice to non-sovereign islands. So what that means is Barbados or Jamaica or Fiji, they have seats at the table as their UN states, their member countries. But what about Nantucket or Hawaii or Guam um, or Bermuda, which is a UK overseas territory? They often have quite different interests than the capitals that represent them but they don't necessarily have a voice at the table despite being those really vulnerable communities. So part of our goal here is what, what's known as SNIDGES, subnational island jurisdictions, making sure that they have a voice at the table as well and these opportunities to collaborate. So as I mentioned, I, I live in Portugal. We work uh, heavily with the islands of Madeira and the Azores, and um, they are very different to mainland Portugal. And they're realizing that actually they can build... Um, connections with other island regions and that's an economic opportunity because if you are if you're a small business on an island um you have a limited market and maybe looking at other island regions is the best business opportunity for you to be able to expand i i think that that makes great sense i i think that makes great sense i mean for for the listeners i think one of the interesting things about this conversation uh is becoming aware of the fact that Nantucket's not alone, right? 
Mm-hmm. And there are other other islands around the world who are really facing some of the very similar things that we are. And I, I'm not aware, and of course I could be wrong, that we belong to any sort of coalition of islands who are having discourse on this. I know that people have come to study some of these things. I, mean, I know there was a woman who came from the University of Edinburgh in Scotland to study uh, coastal uh, resiliency and climate change on Nantucket and was comparing it to a bunch of um, other islands in Europe. I know one of them was the small island off of Denmark, whose name is going to escape me right now. Uh, but I think I'm that... Sorry. What is it? I'm so It could be. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and I think that, you know, there's a, a large benefit to, you know, communicating uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm really thrilled that you were able to join us today and talk a little bit about this. And I think that can be really empowering for locals. So, for example, in Scotland, they have a uh, island proofing requirement of any new legislation. So any legislation going through the Scottish Parliament needs to be examined in the impact that it would have on Scotland's island communities, because there's over, I think, around 120 inhabited islands in Scotland. And so that's really important because when you're looking at things like transport or education, any changes, um, the bulk of the population is on the mainland and they may not consider the impact that that will have on the island communities. And now to know that that island proofing policy is even in existence could actually be really power- empowering for island, the islands of Massachusetts um, yes. to actually how can any state legislation that's happening impact us? Because we know that in terms of votes, it's a very small number of the state's votes, but you have those very specific needs that are different and, and finding ways to be able to protect those rights and, and, and needs, I think is really crucial. So these examples from other regions can be really helpful for that. Well, James, that is brilliant. I think I'm going to need to get a copy of this island proofing uh, <laughs> document. Um, but I, I really love that we are able to connect here today and I will um, definitely follow up to get that. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience? So in September, we have the Virtual Island Summit. It's a free event that anyone can register to join from home. There's a really wide range. We have over 30 sessions um, from all these different topics that I've already mentioned. And so we'd encourage anyone listening to go to virtualislandsummit.com or one word. Um, and sign up and participate in a couple of sessions. Some might be in the middle of the night for you. It's all different time zones. It's a 24-hour event. But I think it's something that could be valuable just to get a taste of of things happening in other regions. What are the dates, James? Uh, It's at the end of September, last week of September. Okay, great, great. Well, if you have been listening, I'm Joanna Roach with the Mariah Mitchell Association. Our podcast is called The Nature of Nantucket. I've been speaking with James Ellsmore of Island Innovation, talking about uh, the connection between islands all across the world. Fascinating conversation. Thank you so much, James. Thank you for having me. It's great to talk.